0: To gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, member Yakino shares his interesting path to high finance from attending a program in university that had him going to school in Italy, Hong Kong, and California, to breaking into a summer analyst role in London at a US Bulge Bracket investment bank. Listen how he navigated each transition and his tips on recruiting, as well as his thoughts on the differences between investment banking and megafund private equity in london enjoy all right yakino thanks so much for joining the wall street oasis podcast hi patrick uh glad to be here thank you for having me it'd be great if you could just give the listeners a short summary of your bio absolutely my pleasure um so born and raised in Italy
1: originally, and then uh, moved uh, to study business administration for uh, as a degree in a particular program that led me to study in three different continents across four years in a standard American four-year degree, um, and eventually gaining a business administration degree from one of each. Um, immediately after that, I joined the bulge Bracket Bracket Bank in their investment banking team, joining after the summer internship um, after my junior year. I stayed there for a little over uh, one year um, where I had the chance to work on mostly buy sides, both uh, both for a financial sponsor as well as um, for a strategic buy side. And after that, I left to join a mega fund. Um, and uh, the, where I have been now for the last 14, 15 months, um, focused on industrial and healthcare opportunities, uh, both uh, my banking and private equity experience have been
0: in London, where I am still currently based. Great, perfect. I was going to ask, are you comfortable sharing what city? And you, you beat me to it. So let's start all the way back at um, at your undergrad. So it was a pretty unique program. Something where you got experience at three in three different continents, three different universities around the world. Do you mind sharing kind of where you were, not the exact schools, but just what countries? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to hear just the difference between them, like what you felt culturally versus like academic rigor versus, you know, were they all in English, all the courses, all the... Yes, all in so English. They're all in English, but can you talk a little bit about the culture and then the program itself? You know, to name it. But was it like hundred kids, ten kids? What was it like? And then definitely, in case in the case uh, our listeners or any of our listeners are interested in joining something similar, happy to. Um, I think um,
1: I joined during the second batch of this program, so it was very new. Uh, still, you know, smoothing out um, all the bureaucracy and uh, all the diff- all the challenges, obviously, of having um the kids moving across um we were a batch of uh, around 45 students which were admitted around 15 from each of the three universities that we attended um locations were um Italy Hong Kong and uh, California and um had, uh, we moved together Did you say
0: California was your favorite right the school yes, in California Yeah, exactly
1: <laughs> Uh which which I guess goes into into your previous points of differences across the different places. Um I don't know if there is also a factor that California was the first year, so during the following years you always also looked back at it with a bit of nostalgia and you're like, Oh, the good old
0: days. You the know? good old days. Before things got serious with job search and all that good stuff. Exactly. As a
1: freshman, uh, it has a freshman with, uh, also, and, as a freshman with. So, as a
0: freshman, you were in California in the school exactly. year, and then you transitioned where to Italy next? Hong or Kong. To, to, to Hong Kong. And
1: then Italy Junior, yeah. Um, but, uh, but I think uh, your question was exactly on point because um, probably w- what I would say the, the greatest value add. Of the program in uh, in my academic experience was not as much in the classrooms or, or the textbooks because I think at the end of the day the the theoretical part can can be learned even online uh, but it was really um, in, in understanding how, how different places how different cultures and how different education systems worked um, in three different places and it was absolutely polar opposites so. Um, my first, uh, my first year in the U.S. It was it was very much a more practical approach, uh, with you know lots of um, group meetings, lots of presentation, public speaking, uh, you know getting getting ahead of uh, of just what then probably a a real work setting would be like, and then. A less focus on you know just um, academic knowledge memorization and uh, and just test based quizzes and all the rest. And then it was quite different in Hong Kong, which was uh, basically the opposite. Uh, And people were uh, you know studying day and night uh, to make sure they know they knew everything to the decimal and uh, to the latest footnote of the book um, because that was what the what the final grade would have been focused on. And then Italy was probably a bit of a mix, but still more skewed towards academics than, than group projects. Um,
0: Interesting. So the most public speaking in, in the U.S.?
1: Yes, uh, as, as well as teamwork.
0: And so in your senior year, you get to decide where you go? That is exactly right. Out of the 45 kids, how many decided to go to the U.S.? Uh, 41. 41. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if wow. i remember correctly i think there were four or five split uh two hong kong and why do four- you think that is you think
0: it's just it's more competitive than the other in in hong kong probably it's not as much fun or was it weather or was it just the background where i mean because if if that many came from it was it was even initially right 15k yeah, around each uni
1: um gets uh, to recruit around fifteen uh, students for the whole forty five. So you have fifteen from the Americas, fifteen from so was it because the american
0: uh, was it easier for everybody to do well there is and they could have a life, or what was the thought?
1: I think uh, I think there is a bit of a factor in that. Yeah. Uh, like maintaining my GPA in Hong Kong required uh, more labor than uh, than what it did um, in the u s. Mm-hmm. I think there is also a factor of the US being the first year, so um, you know
0: the nostalgia factor. You talked
1: change, about. yeah. With this constant change, uh, you want to change again after the third year, and so you go back to the to the first one, which is the one that you probably missed the most. There is yeah. fresh in your mind, if you want to put it that way. Um, the weather, obviously, uh, it's nice uh, summer time all year round. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think, uh, given the nature of the program, uh, the, the, the type of students that it attracted, I think, um, most of us were more inclined to, um, what I was saying earlier on, you know, just challenging ourselves with, um, group-based projects and, and, and more real life scenario simulations, mm-hmm. rather than just going back to the library, um, and, and memorize some more books.
0: So if I'm looking at this correctly, you were in Italy during your junior year, but tell me how like the financial recruiting, were you thinking investment banking from the beginning and how did you prepare yourself knowing that you were um, sophomore year, you were in Hong Kong, were you starting to kind of reach out to people knowing that you would be in Italy the following year? So I, I think that worked out relatively
1: well for me. Being, um, being Italian, um, I always assumed that I would have ended up working at least in Europe. And so the fact that my junior year was, uh, was in Italy, I could recruit for Europe uh, in the closest of the locations. So that made sense. And, um, and I think here is where the recruiting differences between the U.S. and um, Europe become a bit more apparent as I think the networking weight over an overall application is much more prominent in the US rather than in Europe. Um, So here at the end of the day, sure, the fact that you can name drop a couple of people might give you a small boost, but I would say it's relatively small as the process is very much structured. And if I think about my investment banking analyst class or like what I have seen in the following year as I was on the other side and so I was recruiting, um, the, the number of people that were getting in Because of you know a referral, because they knew somebody, um, was very very small, um, and uh, everybody was still having to go through the the website application. So the fact that my sophomore year was uh, was in Hong Kong didn't impact me much.
0: Okay, yeah, that's good. So you were kind of starting your junior year uh, in Italy, and then tell me a little bit about that whole process. Was it technical interviews? Were you flying to to London to do this, or was it all done on campus? And you came from a target in Italy, so. You probably did have some on-campus recruiting, I assume.
1: Um, yeah, there, uh, there was um, uh, some, some campus recruiting, but it was mostly, again, informational, as in more of a marketing pitch uh, yeah. by the banks, uh, rather than actually um, having, a, having a, you know, uh, uh, an acceleration in, in the recruiting process. Uh, because at the end of the day, st- I still went through um, every um, application portal online, um and the recruiting really varied um depending on the banks uh some of them uh have the you know first round on the phone second round in their milan office and then third round which was the final with the assessment center in london um or some of them were uh, like the one that i i ended up joining uh just called me straight up saying we have an assessment center next weekend uh, can you make it and so it was one single round effectively directly the
0: final one and you'd fly you'd have to fly to london for that exactly yeah
1: the, the final round is always anyways um in london
0: so it's just an assessment center thing or do you actually have to do like a super day type thing where you're meeting with people there so i think that
1: the, that the assessment center um is a bit of both because it's it's a series of interviews at the end of the day so it's not an entire day it's a half day yeah. We have um, and the one that I did at least had a numerical test, mm-hmm. um, a case that a group case study with other uh, three um, three students that were interviewing on that day.
0: Let's talk about that. The group case study that's got to be stressful. That's like they do that in business school now. Applications. Tell me about that. Like, how did that go? What did they ask you?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's really odd dynamic, right? Because um, you need to balance being proactive and showing that you can be a leader in the room and show your opinion with at the same time being careful to you know not oppress other people's opinions so it's really a fine balance between showing leadership and being a team player in what is a 30-minute setting with three people that you have never met in your life um, and where there is no right or wrong answer. So for example, in our case study was, we were given three options on where to open a new branch of the bank and, uh, we were asked to pick one. So also something probably that we would not be faced, uh, on, you know, our first few years on the job.
0: Um, and did they give you some statistics or some numbers around where you should open a, a branch or like what it was like a full on case, like a marketing consulting case, and you had to basically give reasons was there any disagreement with your people or did everyone kind of cohesively decide where to open
1: yeah we, we were given a, a few statistics um like a distance from uh, from the city center distance um from recruiting areas um uh commute opportunities to get there and all the likes um I can't remember exactly now if if there was strong disagreement, but I do remember that uh, within 15 minutes, uh, the team we had 30 minutes uh, total within half half of the time. Me and uh, and the other students ended up picking one location so that we could spend the remaining 15 minutes deciding on uh, on how to present it and on how to justify our choice. Right, because as I said, there is no right or wrong answer. Every really, Right. Every location was excellent on something and poor on something else. So it was just about what, what do we want to prioritize and, and how do we justify that that is our prioritization?
0: Got it. Did you feel like were you the one of the first ones to speak up or did you kind of let somebody else take the lead and then kind of gradually come in? What would you, and what would you suggest um, candidates that find themselves in these very, very uh, stressful kind of odd group dynamic interviews? What do you suggest they do? So, so the um, the advice
1: that I got at the time was um, to not push to be the leader in the room because it can come off wrong um, from who's looking at you because, uh, yeah, maybe I forgot to say there are the three people that they're not going to interview you later are just sitting there at the back of the room and looking at the entire thing, just like a big brother TV show sort of thing. Uh, just to enhance a bit the awkwardness of the situation. Um, and so I followed that advice um, and and I was just, you know, trying to, to be proactive and, and um, putting my voice out there, but, uh, you know, never becoming coming off too strongly. Or, uh, or let's just say I was trying to speak second rather than speak first. Um, and it worked out well for me. Uh, I got the offer the same, like, as I was leaving the room. Were you
0: one of the only three people that got the offer, uh, the room?
1: Uh, out of uh, out of the three people in the room? Yes, I, uh, I well, the accepted them. I don't, I don't know if uh, the, the other...
0: The other two didn't didn't end up with you in the summer. Exactly. So you were were given an offer right as you're walking out of the room. Uh, I got a
1: call right away as I was getting to the airport. Yes.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So that's pretty exciting for you, I'm sure. Um, So you you kind of okay. so you did the numerical test as well, which I know there are drills and there are sites that help you kind of prep for that. you're doing that you felt good you did the group setting was that it and then were there any meetings with one-on-one with the bankers or two-on-one yes um you said half day
1: uh one-on-one like the three people that were at the case study on it uh, then interviewed
0: you back to back and this was junior this was your junior year like during the fall before summer like the... exactly we're talking about um september october okay so you, did you have other offers or other interviews lined up in London? Um,
1: yes, I had a few
0: um, uh,
1: situations that were moving forward, all bulge brackets. Um, maybe, uh, and here is something that I constantly debate, like uh, where how loyal do you need to be with these things? I tried to push the other um, the other interviews faster after I got the offer to see yeah. if I you know I could like try to get some leverage within the period that I had to sign my first offer um again maybe this is a different uh, with the us uh, as I, I i got the feeling that here the programs are a bit more structured uh, as i was saying earlier like less referral much more application based and all yep. the likes um and so effectively uh, the other firm said we haven't started assessment centers yet the first one is in three weeks
0: right and how much you had two weeks to accept
1: exactly two weeks to sign my offer uh so the things um, we're, we're not going to align. I was happy with, uh, with the offer I got at the end of the day, um, bulge, American Bulge Bracket, not tier one, but it um, was good enough uh, that I did, I did not want to risk uh, you know ending up with nothing in my hands. And, uh, and so yeah. I just
0: signed and, and I canceled the other interviews. That, you know. Yeah, they have saying in the I don't know if you heard the saying, uh, Bird in the Hands Worth Two in the Bush. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So you had the offer in hand, so you took it, and uh, did you accept um, on the spot, or you waited a little bit, so so if you can maybe accelerate things, and it just didn't work out. So then you accepted, like a week. Yeah, later? exactly.
1: I I tried to accelerate with the others. They yeah. they told me that look, um,
0: not happening. Okay,
1: they're not at the final stage with anybody yet, so we can't bring because uh, because of the team settings, right? Like they need multiple applicants to be at the assessment center stage at the same time and they said we don't have enough candidates to push an assessment center forward at this um for the next three weeks so that's why
0: i ended up signing so then as you get there so you finish up your junior year um in italy and kind of probably feeling good because you have a summer internship lined up but are you stressed out what's your feeling going into the summer internship and then tell me a little bit about how the summer progressed at a at, in london you know you had never lived in london i assume and it was you know another new city um yes now at a, an american bulge bracket bank in in london what was that like
1: oh, it was exciting you know um i think uh the, the summer internship uh, you have a you have a clear goal at the end so you don't mind the uh the hours of the work or anything or or even if the the full-timers try to scare you and they're like oh yeah i haven't slept in two weeks and you're just like oh that sounds awesome right like that's exactly (laughs) what i want to do for the rest of my life
0: and uh so how bad were the hours for real when that summer
1: well i can't really complain because um, summer the the summer internship was protected actually and it was actually um like the the restriction were actually strictly followed by everybody. So there was absolutely no weekend work and no work past midnight. So, um,
0: and I think that was that was especially stringent in the bank. Yeah, because there. Well, I think this was closer to a time when there had been some stuff going on in the mid, teens, two thousands, where there had been some deaths um, in London at, at certain banks, and so like um, both in the U.S. and in um, London, I think they had. This is kind of when around the period when everyone started doing all these different programs right like pencils down on friday and like no saturdays and all this stuff and even protection for the interns right so you're saying it was it was strictly followed that summer so that makes a huge difference so you're working probably you know 15 hour days monday through friday but then no we really didn't even come in the office on the weekend
1: absolutely i i remember clearly uh, one associate emailing hr asking if i could work the weekend um on an rfp that was due uh the monday after and hr replying, absolutely not this is not allowed Uh, uh, the the intern cannot be working on the weekend
0: oh my gosh that's amazing i wondered have you heard anything lately if that's still the case if it's as strict i know because because i know um, at least on Wall Street Oasis, we've been seeing um, with with COVID, we've been seeing a huge swell of complaints and from the junior side, um, and people pushing back um, on some of the things that aren't being protected, aren't being enforced. And so, you know, Goldman increasing the pay, everyone's increasing the pay um, now across the board, or or doing something to try and um, make the juniors happier because COVID was especially tough work from home. So, yeah, have you have you felt like it's softened in, in the because you were there what 4 or 5 years ago so has has it softened has it been
1: well um my internship was 4 years ago but then I was there until effectively 2 years ago uh, yeah. when I was then working full time and when I was full time the um, the restriction uh, the protection for the interns were still very much enforced well wow. okay. um we didn't have uh like my bank did not have any protection for full timer um
0: oh rough
1: so uh, only as
0: interns so this, the full-time analysts are still getting it pretty good in terms of uh, hours, like 90-plus hours a week. Yeah, yeah the, the, the
1: full package. Um, although I think, I think that's up to for discussion, whether, in my opinion, whether having Saturdays off is actually beneficial, because having Saturdays off then implies that Sunday is part of the week. It's like an 18-hour workday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Whereas, uh, and, and even, if you, even if you don't really have that much, at that point, Sunday is part of the week, right? Because your weekend has been narrowed down to Saturday. Whereas in places that have no restrictions, such as the place where I was at, if you have little to do, you can either balance it out whenever you prefer, Saturday or Sunday. And if you have absolutely nothing to do, then you get the entire weekend and you can just travel around because Sunday you're like you're not on call like anyways.
0: Yeah. It almost forces Sunday to be used because people are feel like they're going to lose that then the the seniors aren't going to have that saturday to work you so they make sure you're busy on sunday exactly so yeah it's interesting yeah up for debate i guess yeah that is interesting so tell me a little bit about london like nightlife was it fun was it different i mean you had traveled to you've been in italy you've been in hong kong you've been in california what was it like i mean you're now in a
1: and uh, training in
0: new york so uh training in new york was a party i'm sure
1: exactly so can compare
0: from a few places yeah. What did you think? Cause I know London, I mean, I, I trained in London at Rothschild um, and it was a fun, it was a real fun time um, out there. I'm sure. Was, yeah. Was it like, I mean, I know they had those clubs, I can't remember what they're called clubs or whatever in London. Was it something where you guys were there like every weekend in the summer when you were in your summer analyst, since you weren't working? I mean, I can't imagine it must've been amazing. Yeah, exactly. And um and
1: and I think it's it, like the comparison that I can make across cities is not entirely fair because obviously the budget for a night out has increased over time.
0: Very different when you were a freshman, right, in California versus when you were a summer analyst. So yeah, tell, but tell me a little bit about whatever. Like, was it fun in London?
1: Absolutely not. I love the city. Um, I think um, I think there is a place for every hour of the night. Uh, so. Uh, there is never a risk of being bored here um i think uh, we have found like me and my group of friends have found uh, our favorite um place to go to um circle square if anybody goes to london yes i am doing marketing for them right now <laughs> but i think it's totally worth it um, it's a bit odd um they they have a show um um midway but i think that's a bit common for london clubs to have like um
0: a show a performance in the middle of it, exactly like
1: the, the higher end clubs do, whether it's circ, um, the box or a tape, which which are like a trio of famous clubs here in London. They all have performances in, in the middle, um, and uh, and here I think similar to New York, the the, the clubs close at around two three a.m., uh, but then obviously there is uh, the after party places. Um, I must say, personally, um, I don't go as much because like, I think that's where I draw the line between having fun and being able to function the next day uh, in case the call comes in. But uh, but yeah, London is also really good for that. And there are a few um, that uh, you I've know, been once or twice. And so if you want a full night to see the, the sunrise, definitely can stay out until then. And then we have the 24-hour break- breakfast places, um, uh, favorite one, Duck and Waffle, which is on the forty-third floor of the Salesforce Tower and has a great sunrise view. So, oh, it, cool. if you need to go back to the office, it's it's a great place to.
0: Some good tips. Some good tips here for the people who are going to London for the first time. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. So I never. I mean, I never worked in London, so this is all new to me. But yeah, tell me a little bit about just so you had a, a real fun time during your summer analyst that Didn't have to work as crazy hours. And you go back for senior year to california correct that's correct and so again another big move <laughs> and you're basically out there it's having a great time because you've got a full-time offer i assume at the end of your summer internship exactly and so tell me about um all the brain damage you've done to yourself with all the party you had for the last two years <laughs> no, just kidding so tell me a little bit about just uh just tell me a little bit about um that that kind of going into senior year was it something where um you accepted right on the spot um once they gave you the offer or was it something where you tried to again leverage or tra- or trade up
1: i didn't try to um to leverage my full-time offer um i thought at that point i was comfortable uh, with the bank and the team that i was joining um and and i liked the thought of you know joining people that i already knew and i had already worked with uh, that was giving me some security um some sense of security for when i start had to join full-time rather than having to build again everything from scratch if i were to go to a to a different bank so um, I, I signed uh in a couple of days just you know just the time to um, put my things in order and uh and then yeah uh, as you were hint correctly hinting it was uh Probably the best year of my life, uh, very little concerns uh, about, uh, about anything because, you know, job was secured. Um, I, I wanted to keep my GPA because um, that was important to me. But uh, again, um, I thought that the, the, uh, the U.S. school system was, uh, was a bit easier maybe than, than the other two. So I was in the, in the right place to keep the GPA with minimal effort. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, at that point, it was just about enjoying uh, my time there and, and creating memories. So yeah, lots of parties. I traveled around a bit, obviously went to Vegas.
0: Nice. you play poker? Do you play poker?
1: Uh, let's just say uh, no. If anybody then challenges me, I have an excuse <laughs> for how bad I play. Um, fair, fair.
0: Okay, so you we went to
1: football uh, games, uh, tailgatings, I love uh, that yeah. entire aspect of um, of the U.S. Uh, education that that just for sure we should bring to Europe because it's uh, it's amazing. For sure, for sure.
0: So you um, you graduate and you immediately kind of move back to London for full time, or how does how was your transition there? And then tell me a little bit about the uh, when the reality of the lifestyle hit you, um, working the hours because you had you were a little bit protected as an intern that protection is gone was it like a big shock like you know two months in three months in you're out of training um talk, talk to me a little bit about that and then just the training itself where you do feel like you were able to ramp up quickly because you had enough financial modeling training and all that good stuff
1: yeah absolutely um yeah you're right so i graduated in may 18 i go back home for just um, a couple of weeks and then mid-june um, I leave for London to drop my staff and we're all flown out to New York for uh, for a month or so of uh, training and partying mostly. Um, but uh, I think during training, I had a bit of an advantage in the sense that, um, you know, I came from the summer internship. I still I didn't study finance per se, but still business. So somewhat related. I had an understanding of, uh, of the broader financial aspects and um, and as well, uh, obviously using. Uh, the very helpful guides and courses from wall street oasis i thought uh, I, I was in a good spot when um when i started the uh, when i started day one of the job yeah,
0: too bad we didn't have our financial modeling training launched yet but uh and there you had the interview courses and and whatnot back there so that's good that's good that we were we were helpful okay yeah <laughs> uh,
1: the guides the guides uh, were crucial i think uh Thank you. I probably passed my accounting exam mostly because of the accounting guide rather than 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 the book so um, I, I think <laughs> um, I, th- I think that like uh, it really prepared for the interview and then um, some Great. understanding as well of the job so that that was that was helpful but as you said then yeah like um we had um quite a hit the reality wall of the hours quite soon um I was living. I was living with uh, with my, my flatmate was also an intern um, with me, and then uh, was starting full time together with me. And on day four of the job, so we start on a Monday. On Thursday, he doesn't come back home, uh, and I see him again on Friday at the bank on Friday morning. So, uh, so he's, he he got this. Uh, the hours are not protected anymore. Reality check quicker than me um for me he,
0: he pulled his first all-nighter on day four exactly wow um whereas for me i think it was
1: a bit more of a um the took a, i never did the, a real all-nighter i think the latest that i left the bank was five and a half and then be back at around 10 so not sure where you categorize that but i still did feel pretty good yeah. for a couple of hours of sleep um and uh, funnily enough, I did instead have an all-nighter uh, after I moved to the buy side. So uh, I, I'm not sure <laughs> what we did. <laughs> if have that happen? Yeah. It.
0: So, okay. So you're, you're working on some deals. You're getting some live deal experience. Tell me about uh, the private equity recruiting process in London, how it worked out for you, Um, you know, through the traditional recruiting channels. Was it through another channel? And you're at a mega fund now. So I'd love to just hear what that process, because I know in the U.S., there's on cycle whereas in london it seems to be a little bit much or significantly later um yeah um
1: like uh i hear from friends in the u.s they have a buy side offer after their internship and before they haven't even started the job which is something here definitely doesn't uh, at least i've never heard
0: yeah it's like um, two over two years out
1: exactly i think here is a more of um let's say um, i don't know what the exact word is but let's say uh, tailored to the spot like um a recruiting process so oh we, we need somebody and usually is oh we need somebody that speaks this language um and and so they start uh, the recruiting for that uh but it's not that they plan recruiting and have somebody joining you know 12 or 24 months down the, uh, down the line and that yeah. is exactly how it happened for me uh, super standard recruiting process um i was approached by um by recruiting agencies, because uh, here it's all through intermediaries.
0: Yeah, who are the big ones out there?
1: Um, so I think that the ones that I had a good experience with, um, uh, Kia consultants, probably market leaders in, um, in junior placements.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Walker Hamill also uh, has, um, has some, uh, some good positions. Um, Blackwood also is uh, more and more present, I think, coming up uh, recently um those are the three that are on top of my head right now
0: sure sure he
1: has the one that uh, that placed me um uh that reached out saying that my fund was having a breakfast event um they uh they put forward um cvs to the fund the fund then invites you know 25 30 people we go there there is a bit of a presentation some food um
0: that's gonna be a little bit awkward like are you forced to eat breakfast or pretend like you're eating yeah you're you're there like uh,
1: sipping your coffee and deciding whether i eat it's always like oh if i eat a croissant then i can't speak but then if i'm not eating breakfast uh, and i'm not speaking
0: to anybody and there's crumbs all over I, your suit yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i always find that's awkward like you almost need to eat beforehand so you don't need to eat there and just drink coffee or, or whatnot
1: um it's curious that you mentioned now i can't remember if i ate anything or not I surely had the coffee though. <laughs> for
0: sure. um, yeah. I think the adrenaline of the whole situation probably keep you going for a while, but so you're, yeah. Tell me about what that, what was that breakfast, uh, that breakfast like? So you said 25 to 30 people. How many spots are they looking to fill like five or three? Two. Just two. Wow. So it's super competitive. So how do you even get that? I mean, you landed one, but do you know those numbers going into this? Or is it super intimidating when you get there and it's like almost 30 kids going for two spots?
1: Well, I think there is a there is a bit also of um, people then deciding that it's not the thing for them. So out of those thirty, how many of them are actually then gonna go through the recruiting process, and uh, how many of them then get the offer?
0: I would assume pretty high, though. I would assume like eighty percent of them, right? Uh possibly.
1: Like I knew one guy. Like when I got to the breakfast, I only knew one other person from another bracket. and yeah. after we chatted, he was like, "Yeah, this is not for me," and then because he, he decided to go more for a growth fund.
0: Got it. Um,
1: so, um, yeah, I would assume that um, lots of people uh, try to get out and go, and, and go to private equity. But for example, like in, in that instance, um, the guy was looking for a different opportunity.
0: So you didn't finish your two years at the bracket because was this just a surprise? You'd have to be opportunistic and take it when it comes. I think I've heard in London, it's typically after two or three years at the bank that you recruit. So this seems like an early jump, more than at least earlier than typical
1: mine was an early jump yes um i think uh i think in london it's uh, it used to be three years and then obviously banks um have uh shortened the um analyst program to two years i think all bulge brackets in london now are on a two-year stint um and therefore obviously also buy side recruiting has shifted a bit earlier because at the end of the day like uh, compensation uh from analyst to um, entry level in the buy side from analyst at the bank to entry level in the buy side is a massive jump from associate at the bank given all the bonuses that are staggered in a 12 month period with uh, you know your promotion bo- your analyst two bonus your promotion bonus your uh, st- stub bonus in december because uh, your bonus cycle shift from summer to year end yeah, yeah. Pay jump to associate and then immediately after uh, again uh, the the full-time bonus as associate uh, like it's a lot of money coming in a 12-month period Uh, so I think obviously the buy side also had to shift earlier the recruiting because uh, they didn't want
0: you to start they didn't want you to start having those golden handcuffs and be stuck in banking as much exactly but I mean that's pretty short-sighted for people to stick around necessarily in banking if they really want to do buy side it's such a different you know it's a different role it's just a different job Right.
1: Oh, I, I agree entirely. I think, yeah. um, I, I think it's the, the two jobs are are not really comparable. Um, even even the Excel modeling is entirely mm-hmm. different. Like I found that the, the most complex model that I built while I was an analyst at the bank is still is probably ten times simpler than anything that we build for a round two. Um, here, like just the level of granularity and the level of understanding that you need to have on, on any single assumption you really need to be able to justify it because at the end of the day, that's um, that's your money, also your money if you co-invest um, in the fund. Uh, but uh, it's yeah, more it's, than your reputation very, on the line.
0: Yeah, it's very different when you're putting numbers together for a client where it's not your own money versus uh, at, a, at a mega fund. want to make sure every number is correct and you're actually looking at things doing the revenue build up properly doing all the assumptions looking at all this every single assumption turning it over so that's interesting you say they excel you know some people would say at private equity funds the modeling's less important it's more about like the investment thesis and the you know on getting through running the diligence streams and all that stuff would you say that um obviously the powerpoint is probably less important right Um, it, it doesn't matter how pretty it is what matters is if it's right or not right
1: yeah, that's uh, the, that's entirely right. And, and uh, I also agree with your point um, uh, that uh, at the end of the day, uh, doing the proper diligence and understanding an opportunity commercially is what's going to make or break a deal. Um, if you missed an item
0: in the QE or, uh, you know, if... Uh, QE being quality of earnings. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. Just for the listeners who don't know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you miss an item there, <laughs> and explain what is the quality earnings. Just basically, an accounting firm will do uh, an analysis of the earnings and the revenue of everything all the way down to make sure that it's legitimate. Is that basically what it is?
1: Yeah, mostly in, at the EBITDA level is is where we focus on uh, just to make sure that there are uh, that the your jump-off point on the EBITDA that you're taking, and so the profitability of the business is representative because um, Particularly now with covid it's uh, like it's difficult to take the last 12 months' performance of a business and just saying that it's representative of, of how it's going to perform over a five year investment horizon period for sure uh, some business benefited, some business obviously didn't and uh, and it's important to to get to what could be a, a run rate um, scenario and, and where the business could go from from today.
0: yeah, really interesting so tell me a little bit more what else is different what about the what about the difference? Talk a little bit about the culture shift from banking to private equity and what you felt like was the hardest part of the transition for you.
1: Oh, that's a good one. Um, I do think that the, the, the culture is, uh, is very different. I think um, you're probably being a, a smaller office, smaller team, when you compare it to a bulk record bank. Uh, there is more of a humanization of, uh, of the people around you. Um, and, and the understanding that there is more to life uh, than work, even at the junior
0: level. And so... So your hours are, what, 60 to 70 there?
1: Uh, I guess I, I would say that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, but, guess. I think, <laughs> <laughs> but I think the difference is, uh, is also in the quality of the hours, right? So, uh, for example, with, with the other associates for lunch, we all go out and... Um, uh, you know, then eat together. Uh, so you take you know half an hour, one hour out. Whereas at the bank, it was oh, we're taking takeaways and we are eating at the desk, uh, uh, all by ourselves in our own cubicles, right? Yeah, uh, that sort of thing. So, um, it's uh, it, it's not just it's not just about the quantity of the hours, but the quality of those hours. And uh, sure. and that's what I meant when you know a bit more social interactions at the office. Although I must say that. Um, one thing that most banks do and I haven't seen at least on, on my fund or, uh, or I don't know if it's just a generalization for other buy side places as well. For example, the Friday, Friday drinks is not really a thing, uh, at least on my fund, whereas at the bank it was. You know, like it, there was just a common understanding that at 6 p.m. everybody was leaving, meeting at the square, at the, at the bar, um, at the pub where all teams from the bank were going for a pint and then going back to the office obviously but um but that was something that we had at the bank whereas here
0: was it a pint or was it four pints and then trying to get back to the where i wouldn't be able to work if i had more than a pint even if i had a pint wouldn't don't the analysts like fall asleep after a pint
1: well, exactly <laughs> it depends how much work you have to do and how good self-control you have but uh you
0: can imagine i can't even imagine if you're on like three hours sleep having a pint in like 6 p.m after and then dinner like your my face would just smash on the keyboard <laughs>
1: I did remember a couple of times where um, where I was having maybe uh, two or three pints too many, and then as I was finishing my last one, I was delivering like I don't know two pizzas to the office to get the carbs to to just oh, yeah. sober up quickly and uh, and finish what I had to do. Um, That's but funny. yeah, those those are what we were saying before the good old days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it always worked out fine.
0: Very cool. So what's the uh- Talk to me a little bit about kind of what's next. I mean, you're on a mega fund. I know it's very tough to move up, get promoted. What are the typical paths that you know, people always talk about? Exit opportunities from investment banking to private equity, but then people rarely talk about the the exit paths from private equity. I mean, obviously, the dream on, for a lot of people is to kind of just move up but with the fund as it grows, as they raise more capital to become a you know a director or a principal, then a director, then a, a partner eventually. But tell me a little bit about you know what's your, in in your what's your thought is it are you thinking this is a path to something else is this a path to stay around for, for long run
1: yeah absolutely um i think i would like to stay around um as you were hinting before um uh, the the traditional structure for, for private equity is a two years up route. um and my fund is the same so my my two years is coming up at the end of uh, 2021 um and so uh, then it's, uh, it's when I will have to make a decision or, uh, you know, will be forced to make a decision if things were not to work out in my favor, unfortunately.
0: How much time do they give you to make that decision? Because you're only seven months away.
1: Yeah, so in seven months, they'll, they'll, um, they'll give me the, the notice and then I have six months of uh, where the employment is still ongoing. Got it. And there's this common understanding that um, I will obviously be looking for, for other things.
0: And what is what do typically megafund private equity associates that don't get the offer to continue, what do they um, typically go on to do in out of London?
1: So uh, what the recruiters have told me, and I am sure that this is bias on, uh, on their own interests, is that it's not uncommon for associates to uh, switch fund after two years, um, both whether they received or not um, uh, the opportunity to continue their current fund um, obviously if they haven't then they need to change if they want to stay in the industry whereas what, they were, what the recruiters were saying is lots of people uh, jump at the, buy, at the first buy side opportunity because they want to get out of the bank and then in their two years they realize maybe the investment strategy is not the right fit for them or they want to move at a different um, stage of maturity of companies and so after two years they take the opportunity to uh, change to a different fund that is more aligned with what they want to do long term
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but um I, I like I like my current fund uh, I like the culture i like I like what we do, I like the people, so um hopefully I will be able to stay and in that case um, uh, i'm I'm not sure whether i'm you know I'm, I'm gonna be in pe until I die but uh, <laughs> uh, but definitely for the foreseeable future.
0: How do you think you get that offer? How do you get that offer to stay? And, and as a private equity associate, do they just call you a senior associate at that point or do they call you a principal typically? I don't know, it it's different fund by fund, but um, you know, in your third after that second year if they at the end of the year they say we'd like you to stay for do they say usually we'd like you to stay for a third year? Do they say we'd like you to stay two more years? Do they say we'd like you to be on partner track? How does it what's that conversation typically look like if you heard so I think at that point, is,
1: um, the, the contract becomes on an ongoing basis. Um, so there is, a, there is no promise either way. Um, and I think uh, at that point, it's really performance-based. So you perform, you continue moving up. Uh, you slightly perform, or I don't really know how to put it, then maybe you're a bit parked.
0: Yeah, but how do they even judge you? How do they even judge you? I think it's so, I just think it's so political at the you know assuming you're you're not messing up the numbers assuming you're a friendly person you know if there's let's say 10 associates mega fund associates that are going through the reality is what only two or three of them are going to be moving on right or is it more yeah look i
1: i i totally agree with you i think the the generally and i'm not sure whether it's just pe at the associate level i think the the reviewing process is uh, is a bit flawed because um, everybody's different and, and you're just trying to rank people that maybe cannot be ranked together because my strengths are your weaknesses and your weaknesses are my strengths. So... Uh, it, it, in the eyes of whoever ranks you and I together, if, uh, if he cares more about A, he's going to rank you first. If he cares more about B, he's going to yeah. rank me first. But the reality is that we should both be ranked the same and work together because we're complementary to each other. Um, but uh, but uh, I think we're moving a bit of in, um, in a utopia scenario. I think
0: uh, I think it's tough. Yeah, I think it's really tough to know how to actually rank. Associates, because a lot of them are going to have all the technical skills are going to be running deals, I guess maybe it's a little bit of like how much of a leadership you take on specific deals, what deals you get placed on, how, a little bit of luck in terms of whether those deals did well or not, who knows yeah, I think
1: uh, I think it's really interesting that you touch on that. Um, one comment that I heard is, um, is making a deal changes your career both internally and externally, but if you really think about it um, as an associate, making a deal is a uh, it's not exactly within my powers. I can do uh, I can do my best on it, but then um, I'm not going to be the one that pulls the trigger at the end or that pushes it through. I see, uh, right? So.
0: yeah, very cool. Anything else you'd like to share with the listeners before we call it? Any other words of wisdom, kind of looking back on your career and your path so far?
1: Um, well, maybe uh, since I'm looking at a friend who's uh, recruiting right now, and I'm seeing. Um, the, the The difficulties and challenges that that she's having um, is uh, is probably just really to think about where you want to be and and what you want to do and the reasons why you want to to uh, to make the change. Um, I think uh, lots of people may have this idealized uh, perception of the buy side as you know the greener pastures where uh, money just flows into your pocket the hours are uh, absolutely uh, nine to five only monday to wednesday and and they serve you oyster and champagne lunch and dinner uh the reality is uh, is obviously still a lot of work um it's uh, it's it's very stressful um it uh, like i think it's uh, The level of responsibility you're given is, is higher from day one compared to what it was, at least for me, um, at the bank. And the, the type of work is, is also very different. Um, and, and I think the, work, the, the word exactly is different. It's not necessarily better. It's just whether it's more aligned with, uh, with what you want to do in your life and who you want to be um, and what sort of work. Um so I, I think the, the the only word of advice that I would give anybody who's um in banking or consulting and think about making a move um to private equity is just um am I doing it for the right reasons? Have I um, thought about the, the differences from my current job to the next one? And um and lastly, uh just uh look around um like you know different funds are, are very different uh, um both in terms of culture philosophies the way that they look at opportunities as as we were saying before like sure the excel is important there are some funds that are purely commercially driven so i agree maybe their excel are really simple and some other funds that are um, very much that work around lots of financial engineering to make the returns and so in, in that sense it's uh, it's going to be a lot of a number crunch in excel um, so not all buy side is the same and uh, not necessarily the buy side is better than, than the current job. So,
0: Yeah, it's great. Great advice. You had mentioned money growing on t- or trees or money getting thrown at you. you. Left, Can we talk about pay just for a second before we call it? So you're coming in, you kind of missed your second bonus, um, your analyst stink, because I think you left early. But was the pay, you might turn just around it and at least in pounds, what it was there and then kind of the pay bump coming up to private equity associate and you can give a range you don't have to give it exact
1: yeah sure um i uh, regarding my bonus i left after um two months one month and a half two months of my year one being paid so i didn't accrue much so it wasn't really a concern for me um as you were saying before now everything got bumped up. Uh, so my statistics from my uh, investment making analyst are a bit outdated. And I can give exact figures because I think everybody knows and that there are surveys and there are
0: publics. Yeah. And we have the company database that has all the data in there. People are, if listeners want to go take a look, but what was it for you? Like uh, My first year was 50,000 uh, 50,
1: bays um, yep. pounds. And the second one was 60,000. Um, I think now that is, uh, being moved up, um, by, uh, 10% or so, um, at the bank, um, okay. from the latest conversation with people there and bonus as an analyst, uh, could go, um, up to a hundred percent. I don't know anybody that ever got more than a hundred percent, but I know that the. It's so around line-
0: 30 to 50,000 pounds around there.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. Okay.
0: And then what about, uh, yeah. Private equity.
1: Um so my current fund um is north american based, and my salary is uh, fixed in u s d with the conversion rate that changes every year um so we are we have a one year visibility over the exact number that we're gonna get, and then it's it's gonna it's gonna vary for the next year. I am up for a fifteen percent decrease in pay because the pound is just rallying oh, in the no. past couple of months. <laughs>
0: You're like, no. <laughs> I was just
1: there looking at it. I was getting notifications saying pound at two years high. And I was
0: like, wonderful.
1: Um, oh my
0: gosh. So, wait, what are you getting paid in USD then? Um, but for-
1: in USD, um, my base is uh, is in between uh, 100 and 140. Um, and the bonus is um, 1.4 to
0: 1.6 times uh, my base that's great yeah it's a great first year you know less than three years out of school making good money yeah i can't complain yeah Um, even even with the erosion with the exchange rate and that's interesting they only set it once a year um yeah i
1: think uh i think there needs to be a bit of a balance that may
0: change after this year (laughs) all the london employees will be like what is this
1: well, but, you know, everybody, well, not for me because I wasn't working back then, but I think uh, when was Brexit announced? 2016. It was great. So five, five years ago, like obviously all these people got a 50%, like 5-0 increase, not 1-5% decrease as, uh, as now. So, um, ups and
0: downs. Yeah, you have a little exchange rate risk. That's fun. Um, you can probably hedge it a little bit with some other ways, um, interesting ways, but
1: get the bonus paid in usd um which i might plan on on doing uh, this summer also easier to co-invest in the fund because obviously the co-investments would be in usd so might as well not uh, pay all these transactions. yeah is there
0: any carry for private equity associates pre-mba or anything like that or any coin just co-invest opportunity and what do they let you do just co-invest opportunities just co-invest okay as a, as associates yes very cool well listen Uh, Yakino, really appreciate the time you spent uh, sharing all your your wisdom and information and story. It's been a blast. Thank you for having me, Patrick. My pleasure. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. And until next time.